Welcome to the Spoiler Alert Podcast with your host, Nate Krenz, and co-host... Your more significant host, Dakota. The the more significant host, really. Yep. Yep. Yes. But yeah, today, the movie we're going to be reviewing is going to be David Fincher's Alien 3. It's obviously the third installment. He's disowned it. So is that a sign of disrespect? Like... Ah... I don't know. He has a lot of... It's like Piranha 2 for James Cameron. Like, just never let him live it down. Like, oh, well. Is... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he disowned it. Like, just knowing the, I don't know. I I think it is a, it's a, de- it's a good movie. Like, it's decent, but it's more well known for its uh, hiccups in production than almost when anything. When I think of a production nightmare, I think of Alien 3. Like, that's like yeah. the first thought I have. I mean, like, I think of like Apocalypse Now, and Apocalypse Now is like a masterpiece. Okay, yeah. Apocalypse Now is a masterpiece. Alien 3, like, people can walk away with it being like, okay, it was, it was good. I liked it. But no one's, no one's, no one's given it the masterpiece clout, I don't think. Yeah, I, it's it's gotten some slightly more sympathetic um, reviews in recent years, but I yeah, it's definitely nobody's like nobody's been ballsy enough to be like this is yeah, it's the best one. Like, no, <laughs> there are a lot of stupid clickbaity titles, but there's been enough common sense to avoid that one. You know, if anyone listening to this hasn't seen an episode before, uh, we do talk about the ending uh, at our own behest throughout this podcast yeah. so there's going to be self-explanatory but yep like, there's going to be spoilers i mean i'd like to think that our title spoiler podcast could cover that every time but i still feel like we should explain it if maybe i'll stop maybe explaining we'll gain the confidence to to just you know but but until we figure out a, a, a definite structure it feels like yeah okay maybe we should explain it just because who knows <laughs> uh but yeah so we'll we'll be bringing up the ending in this movie like even like just part way through this podcast and if you figure like hey i want to see this movie like to listen to these guys after that's great we just encourage you to hit the like button and subscribe yes let's just get it away uh alien 3 kicks off uh immediately after the events following aliens which is the second in the chronological order not quite immediate but i think if they had covered that space of time it'd be really fucking boring because yeah. they're all in cryo sleep <laughs> i've always been confused as to like how there was another face hugger on board and everybody is so um I, did they ever actually explain it is there like deep rooted like alien wiki like information on this you know uh i don't I don't know that there is, but I know that I, um, I've been a very big fan of uh, uh, William Gibson's script, but only recently because um, William Gibson had written um, short stories that were the premise of both films. Uh, he ended up doing uh, one of the earlier iterations of Alien 3 that, um, in fact, Michael Bean and um, Lance Henriksen just did an audible drama adaptation of his original script. So it's them doing the voices of Hicks and Bishop. Uh, it's about two and a half hours long. I own it because, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, 
that was a potential follow-up and a lot of people were like really excited about that they did a graphic novel novel adaptation for the audible drama and um because it didn't kill off hicks it didn't kill off well bishop and it didn't kill off newt and a lot of people were very sore about that point uh so it was like to, to it, and it kind of dealt in like cold war themes and tensions and stuff but anyway it was uh that was what a lot of people wanted alien 3 to be but instead we got david fincher's alien 3 in the William Gibson adaptation, it's explained and it works a lot better as an uh, as an audio drama because we don't see it. So in the audio drama, they say that the um, alien queen in uh, Aliens, what would you call it? Well, I don't know, injected, uh, stung Bishop with a egg. But, you know, as far as like when she impales him and rips him in half. Okay. Um, which, you know, if you've seen aliens, you're like, okay, well, that's not what I saw. I saw her ripping <laughs> him in half with a fucking tail, but they go with, okay, if she implanted her last egg and Bishop and that grows in half. Um, in the audible drama, they kind of recount the ending of aliens, aliens as a film, and they kind of rework things a little bit. It's almost a bit of a retcon and say, oh yeah, she put that, that egg in there. And that's their explanation in alien three. There are so many questions as to the alien's reproductive cycle. I get really fucking confused. Like the film we have, you know, like the face hugger seems to have planted, uh, you know, um, two eggs, you know, so one within Ripley and then another within either the dog or the bovine. Um, and it's like, I thought they only could plant one because an alien, we see that the face hugger's dead after uh, John Hurt's character, you know, is right. So mm -hmm. that was confusing, you know? Um, well, that, that, that could be the result of just, you know, production hell, basically. Like, we need to wrap this up. We need to find a fitting ending for Ripley. Uh, Sigourney exactly. Reaver doesn't want to do another alien, so. Is that definitive like, or was that just a general sense of things? Because that's what I kind of gathered. I, I, went, I went through like a good amount of the special features and in like the box set that I own, it goes into how uh, Sigourney Re Weaver went into the production not wanting to do another Alien after this, and she barely oh, wanted that, to do this. That makes yeah, that makes sense because with the William Gibson script, he writes her out. Basically, Ripley's in cryo sleep, so worst case scenario, they don't even have to show her at all. She's there, but she's in cryo sleep for the whole film. So right. That makes. That was yeah. like one of the earlier scripts. So that's why they were like, all right, let's just kill her off in Alien 3. Let's kill her off. Let's give her a good ending, blah, 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 blah. That makes a lot more sense then. Yeah, because I was like, I, I didn't know if they just didn't know what the fuck they were doing. They're like, they panicked and killed her off. Or if it was, I know Sigourney was kind of eh, back and forth about it. So like, but yeah, if it was definitively, she's like, I really don't even want to do three, then that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I so, think it I think it was planned for like the fashion of the death was planned for like I think they always wanted it to be a chest burster because because oh. like I mean her biting the dust to just like an alien tail or something ripping her apart is oh, a little anticlimactic and she's like that's almost people feel about alien three as a whole but I disagree true. but I, that's the sentiment you know I, so. I, I do think it I do think the ending to Alien 3 lends it more to like the sort of mother themes that you got in Alien 2 and the mother themes 
that like she had like connection I'm glad with you're the queen. Is why I felt. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I like I I dig the ending. Special effects are super rushed, but who am I to talk? Yeah, especially <laughs> coming off a of Cameron though, who had like cutting edge effects for Alien. Oh, that was another effects. thing too. Is right as they were building like the set for like, and they were planning on like, yeah, she'll jump into the melted molten lead or whatever it is, or like the flaming inferno. I heard that one was rushed. Yeah. Well, well, while they were doing that, they were like, oh. Guess what, guys? Judgment Day has a fucking iron ore scene. And just imagine being all, you know, like, I mean, as hype as you can be on the Alien 3 set. Which right, is, and then T2 steals your thunder. Yeah, right? and uh, they I know. come out one year before. Part, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Actually, um, wait, wait, T2? I thought T2 was 92 as well. It was 91? It was 91. It was one year before. So yeah, Alien 3 was (laughs) fucked from the beginning. Even if it was like really, 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 really good, it would be fucked. Like it it wouldn't have made its money back. Uh, It wouldn't do too bad financially, but like it, you know, reception-wise, you know, like yeah, it it did well internationally, I guess. So that's what I remember. We're still not a hundred percent sure how everybody gets infected because we don't really see Sigourney get infected. And we don't really see uh, the dog get infected. And in That's... one, and in a special edition cut, it's a cow, isn't it? Yeah, and that's why I wanted to talk about. So it's like I, I yep, maybe we should it. separate yep. because there, there's so many differences between the theatrical cut and the assembly cut. And it's really easy to look at that assembly cut, which I even okay so. Uh, I remember uh, a number of years ago, I came in and I watched the assembly cut, not having watched Alien 3 since I was like a fucking kid. You know, I mean, a kid, kid, like fucking fire. I had a fucked up childhood. I like, I love fucking Alien and Terminator and and the thing, but I hadn't, um, I'm trying to think how many years ago ago this was. I watched the assembly cut. I was like, you know, it's messy but it's not that bad of a film. And then I, I think the only time I fucking rea- uh, returned to the theatrical cut in the interim has been just now. And I'm like, okay, I get why people fucking hate this. <laughs> like, I mean, like, it's, and there's not, it's not even that the content is so different. There are definitely differences, but it's the tone, it's the editing and the music uh, is the primary difference between the theatrical cut and the assembly cut. And the theatrical cut, I don't know if it intends to be disrespectful, but it fucking is. And I totally get why people would be fucking pissed off. The assembly cut doesn't fix all that, but it, it does fix editing and musical problems. And that's why I think people respect it a lot more, you know, because it's more quiet, it's more contemplative, it takes its time and it doesn't tell you how you're supposed to feel about a scene. So it doesn't go, oh, you're supposed to be scared. Oh, you're, so, you're like, it, there are, cheap kind of gore effects during like the the new dissection that there's a musical cue accompanying uh, accompanying and then i think there's a prisoner who literally yawns and i think that's still in the assembly cut but because we have so little music in the assembly cut um you're not told how to feel about that scene it's just kind of depressing whereas in the theatrical cut it's like tension oh we're oh, it's so gross that we're dissecting mood and then the guy's like yawning like, oh no big deal and and then there's another line at the very start of the film uh, about Hicks where somebody just starts fucking laughing. 
you know, Hicks is like ripped apart and somebody's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, and it just feels completely like disrespectful and psychotic and like i get why people were fucking pissed going back to the theatrical cut because <laughs> when i think of alien 3 i think of that assembly cut and i don't but i don't blame anybody like in the theater for being fucking pissed yeah you know? so i have not seen the assembly cut i probably should have done that for homework for this episode oh, okay yeah no, no that's helpful but... because like that's the version i think of and so if you've seen the theatrical cut yeah like i get why people are pissed so yeah so like, i'm not it's different enough to justify the whole film but it's different enough where i think it 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 is respectable maybe? we're gonna get we're gonna yeah. get uh more into like some of the things that were like going against alien 3 from the jump whether it was rewrites like rewrites yeah. all the way to the fucking end and like Which, bringing in a great my- director but it's still a director's first film so mm-hmm. like you can't great first films for directors but yeah this was a nightmare this dude i think it shows how great david fincher is i try not to look at it as a david fincher film because i feel like that's cheating you know like you don't want to be like okay it's david fincher so by virtue it's good but this was a hell production and the fact that he was able to juggle any of this is absolutely fucking amazing like and come out with a film that well okay it's not it's not great but it's i think ultimately (laughs) respectable if you look at that assembly cut so but, yeah, uh, I, I also don't think casting is a problem in this film at all. Like, no, like, well, the cast is good, but I think what was alienating uh, um, is, is, you know, the, yeah, um, is <laughs> the, the, stro- the heavy accents. Obviously, I, I mean, I watch a lot of British uh, films and television, whatever, and you know, and like, it's not an issue for me, but I think for the average audience, you do have to consider that these are pretty thick accents. Um, there were all, also kind of audio mixing problems. I noticed when I went back and watched the theatrical cut and um, um, it, things come through clearer, but the accents, they actually feel, it's a bizarre phenomenon where the accents feel thicker in some scenes. And like in the assembly cut, um, things feel more naturally mixed into the background audio and in a weird way, even though they're not as loud, they're easier to make out. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, I think for the average American audience member, whatever in the theater, those accents might have come, especially because I think your first taste of it is uh, the warden. I don't know his name, but it maybe I'm not remembering right the, the difference between the theatrical and the assembly, but it feels thicker, a lot thicker in the theatrical. Maybe that's just because it's more jarring. It's not um, slowly introduced, but yeah, it, 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 that, I know it sounds petty and, and whatever, but for the average audience member, it could have been distracting and confusing. No, you have a point there because like there was actually one character who in like the, the special feature ad or whatever that you, that you watch and it's all about how these actors had like a hell time on set uh this one character or this one actor i should say was explaining how for one scene like his his character was like kind of like the schizo was like the the schizophrenic guy where blood where like charles dance's blood was all over his face he explained it like a charles manson like like voice where it's like a squealing pig it's like what's it mean it was yeah i remember that and Dylan leaves the room and it's just 
it's just Ripley there and he turns to her and he's just like like just you know got right. some cockney and like what what well, <laughs> yeah, I think he, he described her as a Liverpool accent it's sort of uh Tim Rothy I don't even know if he's from Liverpool but he must be I mean because um but uh yeah it, I think that I think they just chalked up to well he's crazy he just speaks in tongues you know <laughs> he's, a, he's all over the fucking place but yeah it, it, it can be a bit jarring but you know I think internationally people don't have as good of an ear for that so they're like fuck it you know and you can see legitimately like if you put yourself in the shoes of like of a viewer 1992 you do see very different kind of stylized shots from fincher where there's a lot of high angle shots where people at home if if you don't know what a high angle shot is is where the camera's actually low to the ground angled like, up nowhere-ish kind of right you know yeah where you have a lot, a lot of that in noir because like you get a lot of harsh shadows and shadows yeah. that strikes to my mind is like black and white like kind of shadow almost like comic book look but yeah like there's a lot of high angle shots there's a lot of like unique edits and like tracking shots and there's like one where an alien the alien is scurrying across this tunnel and the camera like rotates upside down and you can tell that there's like a direct that like the director and like fincher fincher's said this a lot and a lot of people have said this about him that like his strength is not in the writing room his strength is in just like shooting like he just love he loves to shoot i mean that's easy to say about any director but I think it's especially right. the case for Fincher. And he goes at it very technically and uniquely. Um, has he I, ever entered the writing room? Just like, like has I, I'm just thinking. Like, I, I mean, I think he had to do some in this movie and never went fucking back. <laughs> like, yeah, it's on the fly, right? So like, yeah, maybe, yeah. I, well, it, and it, if you think it, about it, a lot of, and this is not like, you know, to like besmirch him at all, but like a lot of his movies that he's gone with, he works with, writers that know what the fuck they're doing like aaron sorkin and like very well written out yeah, scripts god, fucking aaron sorkin's a god uh yeah. anyway sorry yeah Sor- as sorkin's far as awesome. your going. no yeah. no uh, sorkin's awesome uh i i forget who wrote seven but i don't think it was him i don't think he wrote the game and i'm i know he didn't write fight club well that was based off of uh chuck pollen next novel i think he I don't know if he actually wrote a script for that, but but yeah, uh, I I've not um, I've not read Fight Club, but I have heard from people that have that that's one of the instances where the movie is better than the book or is better than the source. I, I read some of it, so I couldn't say ultimately, but like yeah, I mean um, yeah, I, I I just I love the movie. I love the movie enough to go read the book, so yeah, that's probably testament to its quality, maybe. So. Uh, yeah, I, and... I ultimately he made a sequel in comic book form that he ultimately decided to kind of go more with the movie's plot than his own for the original novel. So that's kind of telling as well, maybe, you know. Right. Um, like if you were to grade like attributes, like in a video game or whatever, where you have like speed, accuracy, oh, yeah, strength, yeah, like you know what I mean, yeah. <laughs> like right. or whatever. Like Fincher's gonna be like way the fuck up there, yeah. Yeah, Fincher would be like would have like framing, editing, lighting, uh, 
working with actors like all those would be a plus and then like i feel like the writing would be kind of like c plus you know or or like or like na you know Right. Well, he he's made some some great films with some uh, pretty solid plots. I mean, you know, the the, the girl with the dragon tattoo is fairly complicated. Like, right. I mean, I, I, I suppose he has great taste in writing, which is as a director yeah. can be its That's own smart. skill. Right. You know? to, to be like, OK, I know my strengths. I'm going to lean into somebody else's and then hopefully combine. We're going to make something that's fucking great. You know, Gone Girl, like, yeah. like he seemed to really attach himself to Gillian Flynn for uh, a while because he wanted to do an adaptation of um, Utopia, which I, I you can go watch Utopia. Go what not the not the actual Gillian Flynn American version. Watch the UK version on Channel 4. It's fucking great. It's one of the greatest fucking shows ever made. I just What's that available on? It's on Prime right now. You can watch the original UK version. It it's fucking actually right now it might it's not the most topical film because there's a pandemic and there's um it's very okay. Right now it might be a very controversial, sorry, uh show, but it's one of my absolute goddamn favorites of all time, the, the UK version. I only watched the pilot of the American version, it like doesn't really touch it. But he wanted to develop that on HBO with Jillian Flynn. He dropped out, Jillian Flynn stayed attached, and she did a uh, adaptation for Amazon. But they offer currently, uh, we're in 2020, 1210, uh, fucking, uh, you know, the original uh, Channel 4 version, which got canceled prematurely, but has a definitive enough conclusion where you can kind of see where it's going to go. I fucking love that show. I'm sorry, it's like it's like, it's like up there with Breaking Bad for me. I fucking love that show. I can't talk about it enough. So, okay. Um, I, d- I, I did not hear out. enough about that to really get into it but i'll look into it yeah i know he was going to do it on hbo and i was excited then and then that dropped off and then out of the blue amazon's like oh yeah but jillian flynn's still attached and we're doing it now so i was like eh, it's just not as good i can only imagine if he had directed this he sounded like he understood what it was about and i think if he had been director it might have been comparable maybe you know but they canceled it after one fucking season the hope was really that they would uh sort of like stephen king's kingdom hospital with lars von trier for uh kingdom that it would it would go past that point where it got canceled and you know and that was the hope but yeah now it got canceled after one season our american version so they made a good decision getting charles dance in there charles dance is good at what he does and very unrecognized at the time even unrecognized kind of now if you've noticed like he got casted in uh cast cast in uh underworld awakening and then i think the sequel to that he was in game of thrones as well and he was in rome he's in a lot of things but character actor sort of um he could idiot. does he do any voice acting he could do a lot of voice acting uh actually that's interesting i think that of so many actors I'm like dude you're you you know uh but i don't know but he's so theater though it might be beneath him (laughs) like yeah right and and when he's in movies like he's he's kind of typecasted though in movies because i feel like like you mentioned with underworld like it's just where it's like a modern b movie oh you mean dance dance yeah the only okay so he's done voice work that's what you're talking about right yeah dance uh the witcher three um, which is totally because of Game of Thrones. And then he did a audiobook version I've been trying to hunt down for fucking ever. Like it must only exist on cassette for um, the fourth protocol, uh, which was uh, the, the same author as uh, you know, the, those espionage thrillers as uh, the, the, the Day of the Jackal. 
I've been trying to fucking find that thing um, forever, you know, like, cause I'm like, hey, I, I mean, I want to read it anyway, but then Charles Dance doing an audio version, I'm like, I gotta listen to that. So that's all I know of though. It's just Witcher 3 and that. So, you know, but he's fucking great. Yeah, he could, he could do audio. Yeah, and so. he tries to get typecast. They typecast, seem to typecast him as like, B movie fantasy villain like right. fuck it we need a, we need a vampire we need a warlock okay so this happened before he really got typecasted as a villain or whatever because this was like yeah, kind of this was one of his first yeah. like feature films and they played him as like the good guy like the like the well-meaning like prisoner type that's kind of got a dark side but has proven nothing but trust to ripley you know what i mean like that's a rare dynamic you get in movies where it's like all right i shouldn't trust this this person but they've only been trustworthy so far i think they were setting charles dance up to be much more like you don't know if you can trust him or not or what and that's in the theatrical cut i think in the assembly cut it's a lot more subtle and there's still that element but it's not in your face like i you ultimately i think trust him a lot more in the assembly cut in the theatrical cut i think you're set up to distrust him i think it just ultimately lends itself to being a more confusing movie than is necessary because i think the the average audience member is going to be confused by the accents by a, a, a sort of a, a an overload of information like in the theatrical cut uh you have dance sort of half-acidly giving exposition on like the nature of this sort of cult that's formed within the prison system um and it's but it's like you've been here as long as they have as far as we can tell like he says this formed five years ago and it's like he's like i don't know it's just sort of it's like a christian sort of you know it's fucking weird right (laughs) and like so yeah that's how we the audience feel but like you've been here you should have a little bit more of a understanding of like what it is exactly that they believe i think i think the script keeps their belief system intentionally nebulous one because it's a half-assed rush script but i do think that there's an unintentional benefit of that it's something i want to touch on is uh of that is you get to i'm not gonna say it's a total pro but you get to as opposed to a con but you get to uh project your you know sort of themes and stuff onto whatever it is they believe because it's so broad you know it's like there's the dragon and that's bad and here's redemption in a really nebulous sense and that's you know you can kind of tie that to like Ripley's survivor guilt and whatever you know so it's not very well defined but that's you know and that's certainly something I felt even on my initial viewing is especially on my initial initial viewing is that these are really ill-defined themes they're just super broad and I think unless you can tie it down a bit it's just something you kind of project an arc onto and that's not great but you can still do it i think like you said there's maternal themes established in previous um films that you could you know bring into alien 3 and whatnot so there is another character too that's like priest type uh among this prison prison colony uh dylan played by charles dutton i mean he was pretty solid the majority of the film too um a lot of the characters' motivations, it kind of it kind of seemed like a plot device character, just the way he got written up, you know. I was, I was very impressed with his acting, actually. Yeah, especially on repeat 
feelings. Like once the chaos is kind of settled, you like you really do learn to appreciate. But 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 this is I, I, when was the last time you watched Alien Three? Because like for, for me, it's uh, been a little while. Probably like two thousand eleven or twelve. Jesus. Okay. All right. Uh, it's longer than me because I actually I, I'm in the fucking absolute minority in terms of kind of liking it. So I view it every now and then. But yeah. Um, well, we get always the assembly cut. So. Yeah. Uh, like whenever, whenever my, whenever I got the Alien collection box, I thought another interesting thing is okay. So you have Alien. Alien is a horror movie. That's what it is. Yeah. Alien, nineteen seventy nine. That's how I thought. Yeah. Is a horror movie. Aliens, nineteen eighty six, is an action movie. It it is an action, action movie. Action horror, but action first and foremost. Yeah. It kind of felt like so much of Alien 3 was we're a melodrama. Like we're talking about how we found God after like being thrown in prison. And like it's just it's kind of like the soap opera ver- version of Alien. Where do you place oh. Alien 3 as like a genre? Because I feel like it's not it's not a much, as much of an action movie as aliens the dostoyevsky of cinema i know it's fucking it's just like absolutely depressing as shit it is uh, it would be easy to say something i i find myself in a really weird position because it'd be easy to say something like it is how you don't do a movie a sequel i don't feel that's entirely true but at the same time you respect it like this is not how you I make money, but this is how you earn my respect. <laughs> it's so how you don't do it. You, what's really fucking ironic is that this was so heavily fucking pawed upon by, by, by studio execs. Like they produced the most not marketable movie of all fucking time. <laughs> and <laughs> then the execs three. started writing it too. Like, yeah. cause no, cause they had to fire everyone else. Uh, but one thing is we we got to talk about a little more about the first draft of this script. The, like the first draft, they explained it as like almost like a, spa- a spaceship that's like almost the size of a planet and they decorate it with wood. Like very yeah, so like... Australian, dude, it was a wooden planet, right? Yeah, it was like a wooden planet uh, and it had an atmosphere that was like two feet and like every physics professor, every like physics uh, troll or professor sure. or whatever yeah. is just like, this is the worst bullshit ever. <laughs> like you can't have like an atmosphere. Where the fuck did they get the trees? Right. It seemed right. far We're out there. Yeah. And that's the surprise and tying it back into the point you just made about the producers. How is that the script where you're like, fuck yeah, let's get rolling. That... <laughs> Like, yeah, the, that was the initial script, wasn't it? That was the first fucking draft. Because I, I remember one of the producers watched the movie, uh, a movie, uh, um, a period piece. I think it was like a Dark Ages thing that this Australian director had done. I haven't seen it. I don't even know what the fucking title is. But they're like, this is great. It's got like gothic themes. And then they went, do whatever you want. And then he's like, wooden planet. And it sounds ridiculous, but then like seeing some of the concept art, the interior, fine. Like if you want the, the majority of the interior to be wooden, that could be actually kind of interesting, but I, the, one of the things I remember writing was that it would stray 
heavily from the look of Alien. I think that it's easy to look at Alien 3 and think this looks completely different, but I think there are consistencies that I'd like to highlight later on that really do tie it to the rest of Alien. You know, so it's not as different as I think people think. But yeah, like a wooden, a whole wooden planet would be very different, you know? And yeah, and, the production. And, also completely infeasible, but very different visually. <laughs> The production design as is, I think, is something that was like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because like the production design is so good in Alien and Aliens by, uh, uh, forget how you say his name, but it's like Gager. Oh, or... it's the same guy. You no, the guy that did that's done all the concept art for Alien. It's like for for the aliens themselves, it'd be H H R. Is it H G Geiger? Geiger. Geiger, yep. Okay, yeah. so like he just does the alien concept. I, mean, I don't even know if he can continued past Alien One. No, he 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 worked on Alien Three. Like they oh, sent really? they they asked him requests of like, what would an alien look like if it had come from a dog? What would it look like if it had come from a bovine? Because they you want to talk about they that for just they a second because... replicate some traits. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Let's go on that. Oh. Yeah, because this is this is the first alien, and um, I don't know if God, I don't know if this is from watching the the documentary or something. But it was pointed out that this is the first alien where it's it confirms that the alien adjusts itself um, to whatever the host is. So in this case, it runs on all fours. But but yeah, so like that's kind of why like in Prometheus and Alien Covenant, there's like talk of like. Like the way they talk about the alien is like a perfect creature, or everyone talks perfect about it organism, as like yeah, a perfect yeah, organism. Always, so it's always referred to as a perfect organism. I think the idea about it too is always like the marriage of that organism with humans, because it can take up so many things, but like, like it can take up a lot of animals. Like you can have a dog alien and this mm-hmm. alien and that alien, but I feel like if you have a human alien. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a it's an no, intelligent being, it's, right? So it's like, kind of like exponentially more powerful, or like more calculating. So I mean, I feel like it's cheating to refer to Ridley Scott's prequels after the fact, you know. But I, I mean, I'll still refer to them. But I don't think that again. I don't think it excuses the film ultimately. This came out ninety two, and you have Prometheus in twenty ten. Which didn't you didn't you take us all to? Like I think I think the first time I saw it for me. I took a like, few people to it. Yeah, I bet I took yeah, you so and Josh. Was... I don't know. I I enjoyed Prometheus. I didn't like love it nearly as much as like the first two Alien movies, of course. No, but yeah, there are logical I, inconsistencies. But overall, yeah, I liked it for what it was. I don't know how I feel about the Prometheus trilogy if that's what they're going to be making it as. Um, I, Right. I, I know he wants to do, it's really fucking bizarre what Scott wants to do because he's like, he, he wants to do a movie called uh, It's Awakening, I think, and then he wants to make it in interqual. So it takes place between Prometheus and Covenant explaining everything somehow after the fact, but in between chronological. See, that's what I, see, like, why, uh, I don't know how we got, I actually got on a Prometheus, uh, but uh, are there, is there like points that you still want to make about like the creation oh. or like the organism yeah, itself? Yeah, um, 
Yeah, so, okay, so as far as I can tell, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, so I'm trying to go like release, uh, you know, order. Um, in the William Gibson script, I remember uh, he starts to talk about how highly modifiable um, the uh, xenomorphs, you know, genetic material is. And uh, that's not, never anything that obviously makes into the final cut of uh, Alien, but um, but it's, it's where they start to explore that idea that it's like almost made to be modified. I know from like almost the start, really Scott really wanted to talk about the origin of the alien. I never thought that was an avenue that needed to be explored, but uh, again, I'll save that for later, but I feel like actually he might almost have been completely right about going that way. Uh, I didn't like it at first though. I was like, who the fuck cares? Who wants to know that? Like it, it, it's creepy because you don't know. Like the, the things that go unanswered are the unknown and the unknown is creepy and, and so so explaining things makes it less frightening and that's kind of how i felt about it but actually i think that uh it ties together very well for uh but um they seem to help bent on finally like combining alien dna with human dna which they've already done since the very start at least as confirmed by alien 3 you know where we see it combined with a dog or a cow uh you know in uh like we've been doing that from the start then like so it's not very special but you see concept art and they're like like it's vaguely humanoid and then you ultimately have that culminate in alien resurrection where you have the you know the, the baby alien human alien um but yeah so like uh i think it's something that they were playing with and you can see that in the concept art early on and that's all i wanted to establish is that this was an idea that started to gestate with alien three so like kind of like Jurassic World, they always wanted to make, and I, I followed that movie, it went through development hell, and everything they put forth was like Turok Evolution, which is a video game based on a comic book, but that where they wanted to make the, they wanted to meld the dinosaurs with humans. I'm like, that's the dumbest fucking shit ever. And ultimately they went with the second dumbest, most shit fucking ever, which is weaponizing the dinosaurs. But, uh, you know, like, so, but um, Alien 3, you can see that idea start, you know, which is aliens and humans melding, you know, the xenomorphs and, you know, right. So, yeah, that's so all one, I want to say. Sorry, it's a really long way of saying it. So one thing that's different in Alien 3 is I feel like the AI, like, art, I feel like artificial intel the artificial intelligence theme took a back seat in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, there literally aren't really androids other than the one that like they he bring they bring bishop back for like 15 seconds and he's like i want to die um but i've always like like, (laughs) the ai theme has always been kind of not delved into by the movies as much like they've always Mm -hmm. got more and more onto the creature more and more onto the creature with but, Scott, that seems to be his focus. With this, but I mean, you know, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, yeah, it's otherwise, like it's like, like creature like, origin, reason. creature origin, creature right. origin. But has anybody ever thought like why the AI wants a- the alien? Like, could it be like now they couldn't do this with an android like Bishop, obviously, but couldn't it be that like an a- they could the alien could implant an egg into a piece of AI somehow, whether it's an android or something else, and then that be some sort of like doomsday creature or even more perfect B 
being you know what i, I mean where it's where it's not half alien half human and it's not half alien half dog it's half alien half ai that's fucking weird yeah because there's i mean that would be fresh as shit though (laughs) like that's something so they always bring up like how the alien is sort of like a biomechanoid creature and i've never really sensed that it always feels organic to me ultimately you know yeah yeah it's i mean it's it's organic but how how evolved is this is the ai in this world like it could be way more involved than bishop because i mean how like i i I don't know. I feel like that's like an area that they could delve way more into rather than like the kind of backtracking that Prometheus does where it's like, what if, what if there's literally like an AI war where like there are some that are more like Bishop that's like, nah, fuck, we're humanist. And then there are some that are like, nah, fuck you. We want the alien DNA and we're going to create a perfect fucking being and control everything. Which being created by an AI, as Ridley Scott likes to explain, I mean, he's really focused on the AI stuff. I'm sure you've heard him say, but like that would really kind of work out, you know? I mean, Ridley, if you're watching this, I mean, I'm going to serve this up to you, but a story credit would be great. So that's the thing. I feel like he compromised his vision too much with Covenant, where like he was like he wanted to do a direct follow-up to Prometheus, and then he's like, but people want aliens, so he makes Alien Covenant, and people are like, it's not scary. And he's like, well, I don't really want to do aliens. I wanted to do the AI stuff. It's like just make the fucking trilogy you want to make. All right, like it's how I kind of feel. So um, but that's what he wants to do. He wants to talk about the AI. I remember when it was Alien uh, um, Paradise Lost after the that well, you know, the classical piece, you know, Paradise yep. Lost, but I can't think of it. Um, the the author, but I, you know, it, but the themes totally line up and like it was, you know, he really seemed interested in the David character. I feel like that's the route he should have went. So that totally lines up with like, he was even talking about some kind of war breaking out between, I don't know if it was the engineers and humans or what, but like that, that David had orchestrated and that was kind of his plan for awakening. So I don't know if it's going to be like a, a hateful eight thing where he actually follows up on that even after explaining to the audience like what his plans were or if he's just going to totally change it again. But yeah, uh, Alien 3, I, fe- I felt like the death scene would have been good if the special features were just even a little good for the, t- even, the even the time those special features were not good at the end. Like she kind of like just special kept getting... Special effects, yeah. She kind of just kept getting smaller and smaller when really they should have just showed her get enveloped by the flames rather than be like, oh, is she falling for literally like a Looney Tunes level of height here? Where she's just like... This is the thing I always run into is, uh, you know, what was the resolution that this film was meant to be viewed in? And it's like, okay, if you're watching on like a, a CRT, but I mean, okay, actually, no, that's not fair because you know what? You're looking at on a big fucking movie theater screen. That's always been, right? That's your first feeling. People are going to see it on a big ass screen. Yeah, you're right. You know, so yeah, I, it, it, it could look well. good in I like an IMAX cut yet, so. type deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe on some CRT, but even looking at it now, it, yeah, it doesn't quite work. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, and... Uh, that's the most important moment. It has to, if any of the fucking effects, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm 
I just took a second to yeah catch it's up. the most like, important moment so like it matters like yeah. <laughs> like like i don't think we're either of us are sticklers for bad special effects or even like no. you know like like underwhelming or bad special effects but when you have i know they're going over budget and they were late on like right. stuff and they were rushed and they were hurried and everything but like yeah, I don't know what it is the died, one you want to look good like yeah yeah so no a- absolutely yeah yeah that's that's one thing i can't give it a pass on it's like it still resonates it still works but jesus fucking christ if it was any part to give your budget to because there are other scenes that don't quite look phenomenal but like you know if you needed to prioritize a scene yeah it's that one alien 3 really got sandwiched in between two like all-time special effects features where if you think of like the history of special effects you go like 2001 and then that made star wars yeah and that led to like back to the future indiana jones uh terminator alien and then you get to the 90s where it's 91 terminator 2 judgment day one of the biggest like special effects like movies ever and then alien 3 it is what it is and then jurassic park which is like the next step at the start of the film i would say that um that crash should have fucking killed them right like there's no parachutes there's like, I mean, there's nothing. They just crash into the fucking ocean. I mean, I know that we do water landings nowadays. Yeah, I mean, they're a comet. Like, I don't know. If yeah. I, it depends how fast they were going, I suppose, how much speed okay. they had going there's in no, space. They're not floating. I mean, we see the ass end of the ship sticking out, but it's not bobbing. It's like, it's, it's, it's only because it's hit the ocean surface. Like, it's, you know, so, I mean, unless. I, I, I would have liked to see the Alien 3 movie that's just like that thing lands and it's going at such a high rate of speed that it evaporates the, the small body of water and then everyone dies. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like a meteor. Just... Yeah, fuck it, it's Alien 3. Everybody dies horribly. <laughs> just kick uh, off the movie. Oh, yeah, so Ripley washes up on the shore in the assembly cut. I love that shot. It's a beautiful fucking shot. She's covered in oil. She's like, I mean, but to me, that means that Ripley abandoned ship, basically. It means she left Newt to drown, Hicks to die. Like she, I know that she's in the, I mean, she's just, yeah. she's a survivor. That's who she is. But it's actually something that I'd almost consider a detracting factor to the assembly cup when I try to tie it into the larger themes of sur- being a survivor and all that. Because, well, I mean, it works, but it does ultimately mean that the first thing in her mind was getting away from the ship, getting to shore. Unless by some goddamn happy accident, she left her cryo tube and then drifted to shore, like all unconscious. I, I, you know, otherwise it means she did abandon everybody without thinking. I mean, which yeah, I, I think in the theater fault her for. Yeah, I think in the theatrical like they did just pull her out and pull the dead bodies out too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Like that, but, but, like but, that's yeah, one where the scene, like, she watches stuff on It's a beautiful shot, but it seems I, colored. I think in the assembly they just wanted to show that shot. <laughs> that's, that's another thing. The assembly seems to want to show the alternate original shots rather than maybe what is best for the film overall. Because I feel like there are elements from the theatrical that if you re- reworked, like I prefer it coming from a dog than the cow. 
you know, I think it's more disturbing because that do- that dog has all those gashes on its face. It's upsetting. The cows yeah. don't give a fuck. It's already dead. It's, you eat cows, you, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there was some bad <laughs> acting in that scene, like you know. But like, it, I think maybe you could have worked around it and still kept the dog. You know, I mean, it also when you think of something that runs on all fours, you think of a dog before you think of a cow. You know, it's another thing. So you know, I mean, yeah, I think, I think they were really determined to show things that you haven't seen rather than rework it in a way that really works best maybe if you watch them back to back your mind like does one of these like and like it just becomes a much better movie it's like the it's like in a 3d glasses you have the red lens and the blue lens and together (laughs) right (laughs) i would say watch the assembly cut first like if you've never watched these movies before watch assembly it's a you're not going to understand why everybody fucking hated Alien 3, but you're going to get the best experience. And then go back to the theatrical, and then you'll have the perspective you need to understand why people fucking hate this film. So, <laughs> but I think that to enjoy the series, you need to watch The Assembly. It's, it's really, I know, I, you know, and I don't blame people for not liking it because it's basically a bunch of producers who fucked up the film in the first place coming back together and unfucking the film. And it's like, there's, there's not really a bravo you know, uh, you know that that um, is due to them. It does work a lot better. It's it's surprisingly nuanced. Like they just understand the scenes that need a moment to breathe. Uh, they don't use the Elliot Golden Fall or is it Golden Smith, whatever the fucking score, nearly as much. When they use it, it has punctuation. You know. Like, yep. and they let yep. scenes play out. They don't tell you how to feel. Like, yeah, this is what I really want to say about the difference between the two. Like, instead of nitpicking the, the, my, the actual details of it, the things that make the assembly work above the theatrical would be the, the way they utilize the score and the editing. You know, it's so much more nuanced in the assembly. You know, they, they let scenes breathe. They don't use the score too much. You know, and when they do, it has punctuation and it's yeah above all else they don't tell you how to feel they let you feel it they let a scene play out scenes are longer they don't go who done 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 you know they don't do any of that fucking shit it's it's horrific inherently watching newt who you've grown to watch you know a whole be dissected is inherently horrible you don't need to be told by a musical cue that's fucking awful you know I mean, they, they, the, the sound effects are awful enough, but then the, the music, I mean, like, it's just a lot smarter in its utilization of editing techniques and, and musical cues. So absolutely, I think that more than anything, that's a differentiating factor. So I think yeah, that's something. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Like, I, I, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the in a while, uh, updated but yeah. version, but I could imagine that, like, if, like, the musical cues make a little more sense, that like right i i see where you're coming from there yeah see i mean scenes yeah the scenes are different between the two cuts uh they tend to be a little like again the assembly gives them time to breathe but more than anything it's not a difference between the dog and the cow or anything like that it's really just being smart you know that they think this is terrible and you just let them feel that rather than telling them through a musical cue or editing techniques that oh dun 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 Hicks is dead. Holy shit. Dun, dun, dun. 
Lute's dead too. Holy fuck. <laughs> you know, Bishop's dead. It's like, it's, it's just in your face, back to back. Like, here's how what you're, we're trying to shock you. And I think it's more shocking to let it just play out naturally. You know? Part of that benefit too, is that you did have a cast of like, theater people like hardcore theater people because like dutton is dance is um weaver actually does a lot like not saying that like john hurt or whatever hasn't done theater or anything like that but like a lot of that a lot of that cast were like movie actors alien 3 it feels like the studio doesn't know what to do with them so they're doing their goddamn utmost but the studio doesn't know what the fuck to do with them you know? And like one so, of the like one of the people on the special features said like the cast is like more fit to do like Shakespeare almost than mm-hmm. a sci-fi. I think that was Dan. Yeah, he had like respect for his fellow Shakespearean actors. Yeah, isn't the criteria for being a Shakespearean actor that you have to like go around for a whole fucking year and speak with that fucking accent? Like you go to the fucking court. I I don't know like, if I heard it's I don't crazy. Know if it's be- true. You're a good actor doing Shakespeare, and then there's oh, you're Kenneth Branagh doing Shakespeare. Well, no, and I think of I think of you know Stewart and you know uh, Ian McKellen and you know they're Shakespearean actors as well. Probably the better known, you know. True. But, um, right. So, um, but yeah, no, it's 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 definitely another level, and they're approaching it from a very different level. But you know, the studios. I, I mean, it's easy to blame everything on the studio, but I think in this case, if ever. It would be, yeah, the studio really fucked this one up. And ultimately, like I said, I think that's it's something I didn't even think about before we started talking about, but they produced the most studio on friendly movie ever fucking made with this one. Like with all their interference and meddling, it is the most not commercial film I've ever fucking seen, um, which is really something that I think is absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah. Um, and it's still probably I, the most commercial draft really you think so because well, i mean the original draft came... the original draft wouldn't have made money yeah a lot of interesting things came out of alien 3 you know when you think about it but but ultimately you know yeah what we got was uh, a really weird fucking movie it's so... an educate an educational failure is what it is yeah, right Alien 3 might not be what you want to do plot-wise, but it does stay faithful uh, faithful to the Ripley character. There are two things that I really respect Alien for, and it's um, across the board. But it's I mean, it chose to maintain the perspective of, the, uh, of, of Ripley, um, and it didn't have to do that. Like, you could, you could easily break away, like the earlier Gibson script wanted to... Um, you know, focus on Hicks and Newt and some new characters. And, you know, there's plenty of room to do that, but ultimately it decided to kind of go with this idea that that Ripley and the alien are inseparable. And I think there's this line in Alien 3. There is a scene where she said, you've been with me so long, I can't remember anything else. You know, and I was like, that, they're inseparable. And and so, like, yeah, you could you could go with, like, kind of the cop out of, like, okay, well, they weren't the first to visit uh, LV. Hang on, I have this written down. 426. Uh, I always forget the fucking number because there's, like, two LVs. There's one from Prometheus. But, um, but, you know, and then, like, somebody else picked up the alien and they went to another colony and, you know, like, and you have an outbreak somewhere else, somewhere in the 
in between the events of Alien 3 and Resurrection, but it, it doesn't, I mean, you have that stuff with like the comics and whatever, I, I, I don't know. But, but as far as the filmography, like it maintains its perspective on Ripley. Like it, the idea is that these two are inseparable and the only break is with Ridley Scott's prequel trilogy. But again, I feel like you get away with that because you're literally talking about the creation of the alien. You know, it's like it's it's like God's relation to man, I guess, or something. You know, like I feel like that's a perspective that's high enough that you can break perspective, you know, from from Ripley, and then ultimately it leads into the events of Alien, and the aliens are ultimately extinguished. Even if you consider resurrection, as far as we know, they died with the events of resurrection. You know, so um, it's like I think keeping that perspective. And if you view Alien 3 that way, it works a lot better than if you think of like, you know, this is just an action series and we can make as many sequels as we want. But if you follow Ripley and you think about like what's logical and this is kind of, I, I, I like watching the documentary stuff, um, I feel like they kind of alluded to this. I don't remember if they touched upon it directly, but the, the kind of the idea is like, what's, what are the odds? Like, what are the odds that this one person keeps experiencing these events over and over, you know, and there's another outbreak and there's another outbreak and there's another outbreak. So to me, Alien 3 feels like a very fucking harsh reality about the survivor that no longer survives, you know, like, like, and that's everybody. Like, so when we think of survivors, um, we're like, you know, we applaud that, but, but everybody dies, right? And so I think Alien 3, and this is what a lot of people have kind of come out and said, is kind of a contemplation on facing the inevitable, facing the inevitable uh, death, you know? And, and so the thing for Ripley to do now, like, like giving up is the thing she has to do. It's not, you know, I mean, she's lost a daughter figure in, well, her, her actual daughter, if you watch the James Cameron kind of aliens, uh, she's lost nudes by the time you get to Alien 3. And you have a sick fucking twisted mockery of a daughter in her chest cavity, you know? And I think Call in Resurrection kind of serves as maybe a surrogate daughter figure, but whatever. Um, you have a character that it's no, in order to do what is best, she has to die. It's, it's about accepting death and that's ultimately it's no longer about surviving this thing. You have to accept your end to be rid of it. And I think she understands that these two things are completely intertwined. Her life is the life of the species. And I, I, I'm not articulating it very well, but if like I had to really strike at the core of what I think Alien 3 is about, it, it does seem like, it does almost seem logical. It, it feels, I mean, it's yeah, gonna no. fuck people. Yeah, go ahead. it makes sense, man. Like, yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. Like, it's not about it's it's not about being able to keep going on in spite of everything. It's about like this ultimate survivor is basically put in the situation where, for the good of everybody, you have to survival. let go. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that removes some of the tension. Obviously, having a protagonist that you know, as you learn because of the, the chest bursting or, you know, the alien won't attack her. And I think that removes some of the tension, but I think that's interesting to explore thematically because it's like, why would you do that? You know, unless you really want the audience, okay, I'm not gonna pretend they're geniuses or anything. I think it was just a chaotic fucking production. But if you look at the film, I'm, you know, like, I mean, maybe, I don't know, but um, 
it does kind of work on that fucking level where like it's there's no it's no longer about tension it's about facing death i mean that the movie does become about that i, I it's themes loosely explore that they're not really coherent they're nebulous it's kind of ironic coming from me but um one thing i noticed um in the movie was i don't know like they killed charles dance off like too quick uh the ripley character can more than carry the can like more than carry the movie it's just after dance's character died every supporting character was not as interesting like they there was like more scenes with the warden and shit and it's like eh, like i don't don't know like who gets killed off suddenly for shock value yeah this is another thing it's kind of i don't know but you know like like alien 3 uh is a prime goddamn prime example and a lot of this started to come up in the 90s when you think about like william peter blatty's exorcist 3 and all that studio interference so this is the case against studio interference but now again like you look at game of thrones you look at some of the things that have come out last jedi i don't know how much studio interference is a factor but there's definitely like art ryan johnson's marks on that uh, I think, you know, there's kind of a strong case made nowadays against the auteur, but I think it's important to remember something like Alien 3, which makes a very strong case against studio interference. So I don't know what the sweet in between is, but here's one extreme. And uh, Game of Thrones oh, is ending as the other extreme. I, I, I think Star Wars does show you the extremes because, like, the prequels are almost like, okay, you gave him too much power, he lost his fastball. Yeah. And like, he was such a yes man, it sounds like. like he just fucking went with everything. Like, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, other things he seemed insistent on, like really dumb ideas, like Darth <laughs> Maniacalus or some like stupid names. And I don't know. It's not, <laughs> but, yeah. and, and but and then you have the sequels, which almost seems like too many cooks in the kitchen. Like too many different right. directors. Nobody like ever like tied anything together. That is for another day. Three, the, the takeaway would be this is the example of studio interference. But the more I think about it, it's also not because they produced, again, like I said, and it's only occurred to me once we started to do this, a very uncommercial film. It's the most depressing <laughs> fucking sequel ever made. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Like, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't, it, that's like, they had a horror movie, they had an action movie, and then a melodrama. Wonder what you a com and that would, would revolution actually be the comedy? Did they hit all the bases? <laughs> With resurrection, they resurrection. did. They went all the way because that was a big thing in the nineties. Was the I hated it. I fucking hated it. Like it was clever at first, but they did the um, self-referential, self-aware horror film with you know all the major franchises like friday the 13th and uh you know nightmare on elm street and they all became very self-aware and they parried themselves you know scream was if all of those movies go to space when they're truly bad uh like leprechaun in space chucky in space uh hellraiser 4 went to space does alien (laughs) does the alien series go back to earth when they're done in four in four, yes, they do. <laughs> they, Joss, we didn't take them back. I don't, there was a, a I don't think I've. Act. I don't think I've seen Resurrection to completion. I know. That's okay. 
I think I saw like the first half hour and the last half hour because I remember yeah, that's, fucking that's thing. Not... Air pressure gets sucked through. Thank you. Okay, so Alien Three, it feels like they're like, okay, who's our antagonist? The antagonist is the alien, but it's within her. We can't see it. So there, you know, and then there's the external alien which we 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 killed. So like, who's the antagonist? We need to put a face to all this, and they they bring in uh, Lance Henriksen as Bishop. Yeah, but, but he's not Bishop. He's the creator of Bishop. He works for Whalen Utani. He's the company man, you know, like kind of like Burke. Or it feels very tacked on, even in the assembly cut. Upon repeat viewings, it feels more natural. But on that first viewing, uh, like I said, which I had a few years ago, and I went back to the assembly cut, not the theatrical, it still felt stitched together, you know. Um, and it just feels like they're like trying to figure out who's the end. Hey, we need to put a face to you know, this conflict, and it's like, oh, it's Lance uh, Henriksen. And, but the one thing I can say in defense of Alien 3 is the ending really works if you consider resurrection, because then they use Ripley's blood samples. I don't know if she's wounded. I think she is in, at the end of Alien 3. So they use the blood samples to um, reconstruct, her, reconstruct her for resurrection. You know, resurrection might not work as a film, but it validates that ending at least. I'm not talking about her sacrificing herself. I, I feel that works on any level. That feels like to me truly the ending of the franchise. It makes sense. But as far as bringing in Lance Henriksen and all that, the science team and all that, it just feels tacked on unless you think about resurrection. And that's like, okay, actually that kind of makes sense because they need to get these samples and that justifies a whole fourth film. You know, so that that was almost smart. Yeah, I feel like you can appreciate Alien Three on that level as well. Like the the ending might feel tacked on, but if you think about Resurrection, it works there. Also, you know, the title of Resurrection kind of continues the religious themes of Three. Not really beyond that, but just in the title, she is resurrected. You know, yeah, that's so like, true. I mean, like she had yeah. her Jesus moment. Yeah, she falls uh, in. It's it a would, crucifix kind of place. Would it have been interesting if like? they were able to surgically remove the alien from her chest safely and then they kind of like put it on ice and then they, they had the whole resurrection but it doesn't it do... really make it sense but yeah okay well in alien 3 it could work if like they take it out and like that's what bishop proposes so i don't mean to cut you and... he's like i'll put you on ice we'll cut you out it'll be good to go and like and so there's <laughs> the temptation it's like the temptation of christ like you get you get off scot free. We're gonna we're gonna destroy it, Ripley. It's you know it's you know I can't think of any because when you think about the alien, it's a parasite, right? So I can't think of any parasite that like a botfly or whatever that uh, implants itself in the host and carries its genetic material over to the host itself, like because that's a plot of resurrection is that they bring her back and there's both alien and human DNA inner spliced and so this is i i remember saying at the beginning um that, that i want to revisit this point so i'll try to keep it brief but but it was what i wanted to talk about was in the william gibson script it's the first uh version that i can think of for alien 3 you know the the, the script that i think is one of the earlier ones where he talks about like hey look at this the alien dna is highly adaptable you can splice it with like fucking anything it's like highly you know moldable you can you know and then obviously ridley explores that with his prequel uh versions which he wanted to do for like fucking ever but with the black goo and all that shit but uh as far as i can tell the the uh gibson script is the first version that really addresses the genetic material of the alien so um 
but yeah, like so with Alien Three, like they say that they collect blood samples. The scientists, the the science team at the end of Three, collects blood samples from Ripley. And, you know that that her DNA is mixed with the aliens, and they clone her from that, and then they produce a perfect clone with an alien still in her chest cavity. Which I don't know that really fucking makes sense. So I tried to look it up, and like the only thing I could really find is, I mean, I know there are ants that carry the genetic material of previous mates, um, you know, to, to their offspring. So you have like 10 daddies for, for an ant or some fucked up shit. And then the only other, which is fucked up to think about, but then you have um, uh, fruit flies or whatever, and they, the, the Wolbachia or whatever, which is like a bacteria from uh, that infects fruit flies, will actually carry down to their offspring. But at the end, of the day, it's all a complicated way of saying, I don't know what the fuck. I've never seen any goddamn example of this in, in uh, nature where the parasitic host actually infects the DNA of, so the, yeah, the, the parasite infects the DNA of the host to such a degree that like Ripley has alien blood, acid coursing through her veins, even if it's a mild acid in resurrection. But, you know, science be damned, uh, you know, the... the <laughs> It, Alien Three works if you can, uh, you know, if you want to go right into resurrection, because then that science team being on site really makes sense. Otherwise, it feels tacked on, and I guess that's what I wanted to say for for that whole for the ending. You know, like for me, I'm like, okay, why are you bringing in Bishop? What the fuck? Like, I mean, who's Bishop in the grand scheme of things? The creator of Bishop, it doesn't really fucking matter. But if you want to go into resurrection, it works a lot better. So that's all. It feels tacked on though. If you're not fuck resurrection, like if you're watching this linearly for the first time, uh, but I'm trying to justify the ending a little bit. Uh, there's a clear halfway point. Like I think a lot of people look at Alien Three and they're like, "This is the clear divide um, where Alien One and Two are great, Alien Three and Resurrection are like kind of shit." I thought if you're gonna do a really extended version of Alien Three, that would maybe be interesting to have sort of a Lord of a Lord of the Flies dynamic, which they don't explicitly say it, but like this is kind of a life sentence. This is the ass end of space, which really lends itself to the atmosphere. Like this is hell on earth. It's 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 fire and smoke and it's ash. barely habitable. It's, right, right. So what what do they give a fuck? Because they're talking about we have knives in the kitchen, we have some fire axes around. Like, why don't they use them? Why don't they fuck you up with them? I mean, fuck it. Why not? I mean, they're prisoners, right? They're violent offenders. We hear that they're kept in mind by this religion, but like, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like they should have explored it a little more. But ultimately, what I was going to say is that like, maybe it would have been interesting to explore uh, a tension between Gallic, which is explored a little bit in the assembly cut. It's totally just like they forget about Gallic altogether in the theatrical cut. But to explore sort of a Lord of the Flies dynamic between like Jack and Ralph, where it's like you have somebody indulging more violent tendencies which are represented by the alien and if anybody's killed by the alien that's part of this like sect of the religion i think that opposites can really define the source and so if you look at alien 3 as a film that's completely opposite of the things that preceded it it comes to it it, it ultimately makes you appreciate what alien is about because you know like like for an example it's a movie about a survivor but she doesn't survive alien 3 and so it really makes you start to think about what Alien was about, you know, by being the opposite of what it was about, you know. Um, so, but yeah, as far as like Gallic being the opposite of whatever this religion is and indulging as more violent tendencies and kind of regressing, 
And then you have like uh, Dylan, who's you know, sort of an antithesis to that. He's like the Ralph in Lord of the Flies. And then you have Gollick, who's like sort of like Jack, not quite. But I think that would have been maybe interesting. But ultimately, it doesn't really tie to, to Ripley. So it's all separate from her. So I don't know if it's essential. But I think the plot kind of has to tie in with Ripley. And I feel like the themes are, again, very nebulous. And it's kind of hard to, to make the prisoners struggle uh, tie it together with Ripley's struggle other than survivor's guilt is kind of the only connection I can really make. And so she's redeeming herself by ultimately uh, allowing herself to die. Um, the thing that's really interesting about Alien is that it doesn't even set Ripley up to be the last, sur the sole survivor of the film. Ultimately she is, and the whole series is defined by that. They commit to that idea. But, you know, as far as I could tell in that, you know, the initial viewing, uh, and I rewatched it most recently um, in the theater because TCM was doing the Fathom events or whatever, but uh, it still got some screens, which is really cool to see. But, uh, 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 you know, like you think Dallas is going to be the protagonist, you know, and then like once he dies, it's kind of up for grabs, but you kind of lean more heavily into Ripley. Yeah, like like you don't even know Ripley's going to be the sole survivor. It doesn't set it up that way, but then she is, and then you go to the aliens, and ultimately i guess she's the sole survivor of the events of aliens because of alien 3 and then she doesn't survive uh it, the events of alien 3 in fact there's a line in alien resurrection where like ron perlman is like so i heard you went up against these things before and it's you know it's a joss whedon script but you know and she, he's like well it's like what'd you do and she's like i died you know so like it just does seem kind of like the logical conclusion that it doesn't strain belief or it just feels like a brutally real film like at some point she has to this has to end and it ultimately ends with her and they're intertwined i feel like that's the way that you can appreciate this film the most like she it could have it could have went with newton hanks it could have separated perspective at any fucking point but it chooses not to and i think that's the way you need to look at alien 3 to appreciate it it sticks with ripley and it ends with ripley and that's the, the yeah. funny thing is is with like between all three of the first movies ripley memory time all three movies are like a week yeah. you know what Which, i mean again because it's like i don't like resurrection but there's a line where she says uh i prefer to dream because whenever the fuck i wake up i'm paraphrasing the reality is always worse than the dream you know <laughs> like just back-to-back -back nightmare the first movie she you know it's probably like the span of a couple days right in in yeah. total like you know like it's died. it's space time so it's like not a human day like yeah, probably day. close to like 48 hours um right and then she goes in cryo sleep she wakes up from cryo sleep and like rehabs for may okay that may have been like a week or a week's worth of rehab with ridley scott's prequels i respect them a lot more because the alternative would be you know I, again exploring the origins i didn't feel like that was something that was tremendously necessary i feel like that robbed of the horror i feel like at the heart of alien it is a horror series you know i people tend to think of aliens and kind of forget that but and i think they blame the first alien because alien 3 is most like the first film um but the alternative to going to the origin of the alien, which is justifiable, you know, because it's like it's 
you're going to God, basically. I mean, like if you if you're gonna break perspective from Ripley, then there's no. It's not just some random miner on some random planet. It's God. It's David. You know that that you're breaking perspective for. And the alternative to that is just like I said, some random planet in between the events of three and resurrection. Somebody else stopped on LV426 or whatever the fuck and picked up some eggs and you know, and there's plenty of stories to be had there, but I think it's really an interesting decision to not go that route and really commit to the perspective of Ripley and only beyond that to the perspective of David, because yeah, you have Shaw and you have whatever Sean Hare protagonist of uh, Covenant. Uh, but it's really about David. So it's really just David, God, and Ripley, you know, who ends his creation ultimately. And I feel like that's kind of poetic. Thinking about Alien 3 and how I can justify it um, as, as a picture. The, I, I know I'm being redundant, but really it was like if you view it as God, they took an action icon, a survivor, and they killed her. You know, they maintained that perspective. And they didn't break off. They didn't go with Hicks. They didn't go with New. You know, they stuck with Ripley. And the, their two fates are intertwined. And if you view the whole series that way, it really does, I think, work a lot better. I'm okay with Hicks dying because I don't think the story is very much about him. But what? But you still could have kept Newt around. I think it. You could have still used that by like. Everyone I know dies, so then she's even more afraid that Newt dies. But it doesn't work exactly. for the it doesn't really work for the ending of the movie, right? So it probably makes more you... sense going into the movie if Sig if Sigourney Did Weaver was like, "I want to get killed off," yeah, and then it makes logical sense to be like, Did "All right, well, we got to kill off Hicks and Newt too." What did she say? She wanted to be killed off because I got yeah. Anything. She didn't oh, want to do another one. Oh. That makes sense. Uh, well, okay. So, but well, forget that. And you haven't read the William Gibson script or the the Audible or the graphic novel. What would you say? Okay, when you think of aliens, what would you say the next logical step would be? Like it would be kind of just a follow up to that, be Hicks and Newt, and that's where a lot of people's frustrations come in. Unless you feel differently, like unless you really think that this is a logical next step. I I th I don't know. Like it ran its course. I think they. I think they wanted to make it as final as possible. At, at, at a certain point, they wanted, at, after so many rewrites, I think they just wanted to make it as final as possible and be like, let's fucking end it. Let's cut all the all the loose ends. But at the same time, there's a lot of life there with the alien. I mean, it's such a unique creature and there's so many stories that could be told. Like, I, I understand. Kind I mean, of I, I, I agree. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, you know, thinking about like what they were probably thinking. No, right, and that's, so through that lens, yeah, okay, killing Ripley at the time, but like, if you look at it as a story, it's like, I get where people are frustrated, but, and that's why I have trouble overcoming, but yeah, it's like, ah, God, Assembly Cut's fucking almost great, it's like a, it, it, four, like 3.54, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a significant upgrade, um, but viewed through a certain lens, I mean, it's, to me, it makes sense as an ending. It's very fun. Dying is depressing. And this is a movie about dying. And it's a fucking depressing movie. And Ripley can't live forever. And that's how I look at it. And 
I know a lot of people don't feel the same way. They feel like they're set, setting things up with aliens, but okay, Cameron didn't want to return. This is what we got. It started with Ripley, it ends with Ripley. Their fates are intertwined. Yeah, 3.5. I really like it. I encourage people to watch it. It's a deeply flawed film, like another film from the, the 90s, Event Horizon. Uh, Horizon, one of my favorite fucking films, but I'd probably give that the same score, 3.5. I fucking love that movie. Studios meddled with it. Studios fucked it up. British cast, great actors, similar things. Lots of gore that was cut out. And I always look for that. Similar things, but yeah, 3.5. All right. So I have not seen the assembly cut, but I'm giving the theatrical cut the the theatrical cut three stars. You're giving the assembly three and a half. You're giving the theatrical two and a half. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been great, Dakota. I encourage everybody to hit the like button and subscribe. Everybody should just, you know, have a great day. We're working on sign offs.